Super Talk Mississippi media production. State Treasurer David McRae has put millions back into the hands of Mississippi citizens, expanding the state's affordable college and career savings program and also returning record amounts of unclaimed money. Check out how Treasurer David McRae's office can help you, your business, or your organization. Treasury.ms.gov. You're listening to the Rebel Report Podcast, where it's all Ole Miss all the time. Here's your host, Michael Borky. Welcome in, everybody, to the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. I have beaten the sunrise. I'm proud of that. I bet most all of you beat the sunrise this time of year, but I'm proud of of myself for doing that. So we are up. It is 5.50 a.m. as we record this this morning, not to brag or anything, Oh gosh, I'm embarrassing myself. I will stop now. I'm glad you guys are here. Long story short, I'm glad you're here. Thank you so much for checking the podcast out. I appreciate you as always. And there's a couple of things to get to. One, we did a uh, a live chat last night focused on uh, the new offensive line additions for Ole Miss. And do those two guys complete a portal haul? that makes Ole Miss a national championship contender. Not a playoff contender, but a national championship contender. So that's what we talked about in the live chat. I've got that coming for you here in a second. But waves were made last night because of uh, Coach Yo. After her team beat Florida in the pavilion, uh, there, there was a response to Chase Parham and it was clear that she was talking about him because she described him as a guy on Twitter and how he didn't share things about her program in context or whatever. And and all Chase did was uh, tease, I think a story that's coming out today on, on Rebel Grove, but all he did was show that football uh, had a net profit of $12 million, that's after all of expenses, that uh, men's basketball actually lost money for Ole Miss last year, which is kind of uncommon. Now, there's a $2 million facilities fee that applies to both uh, men's and women's basketball equally. Uh, That's part of it. Kermit Davis's buyout is part of it. And also, they had really, really uh, pathetic uh, attendance and, and all that stuff last year. Understandably so, by the way. Pathetic is not an insult at the fans. It's it's just the program was not worth supporting. So I, I, I used a strong word there. Forgive me for that. You guys were justified in not supporting the garbage that was put on the floor last year. But attendance was awful, so therefore no revenue was generated locally. You have the $2 million facilities fee, uh, paying back debt on, on the pavilion, um, and also a coach buyout in there. But men's basketball actually lost $3.6 million, $3. million last year. Baseball made $166,000, which is incredible. And I'm not being sarcastic. Making money on baseball is rare. There's like a dozen programs in America that make money on baseball. That is a direct testament to Mike Bianco and what he's built, but also you, the fans. The fact that baseball makes money is because of the fan base, because there's no real TV money pool to pull from that is exclusively a fan thing. And again, to Mike Bianco's credit for building something that fans want to support so well, but still, baseball making money at Ole Miss is rather incredible. But also, the line item in uh, Chase's tweet showed that women's basketball for Ole Miss lost $8.4 million last year. He shared that tweet a few hours later, the women play a basketball game. And Coach Yo did not particularly like that that information was put out there, and she ranted about it after the game. So we'll talk about that first and then get into the live chat, but I want to tell you the podcast is uh, brought to you by Advantage Business Systems. Check them out online, absms.com. That's the website if your Mississippi business is in the market for office technology and you are located anywhere in this great state. absms.com is the website. Advantage Business Systems has you covered. Tell them I sent you. And you'll get a complimentary office technology assessment. So all you have to do is tell them what you need and what your budget is. And Advantage Business Systems will find a solution and give you a quote on me. ABSMS.com. The podcast is also brought to you by Priority One Bank. Let them make you their priority. 16 locations here in Mississippi. So there's likely one in your backyard. 
They make you their priority with their local loan servicing decision-making. So it's somebody in your backyard that will uh, make a decision, that will service your loan. You'll get to know them. You'll sit down with them face-to-face. It will not be somebody that you have to talk to over Zoom or that you have to uh, get on the phone and have like a Louisville, Kentucky number or whatever. No, it's somebody right here in Mississippi because Priority One Bank makes you their priority. Also, by the way, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Michael Borky, B-O-R-K-E-Y. So I downloaded the audio file, and it downloaded kind of funky, if we're being honest. It, it, and I know Ole Miss will post or has posted the video, but for whatever reason, I couldn't download it right. It's a technology error on my part, not on Ole Miss's part. To be honest with you, the media team that works for Ole Miss Athletics that puts the press conference videos and stuff out there, they do a phenomenal job. There are other schools in the SEC that do not deliver quality press conference and stuff like that interview uh, video and audio quality the way Ole Miss does. So I I downloaded it, and it was a, a... a, a me error. That's why I can't play it for you. I'm going to have to read it for you because I screwed up somehow because the video was flawless as, as it always is uh, from there. Again, the people there, uh, the, the the SID team and, and whoever's uh, involved in that do a really, really, really good job. But I screwed up and so I'm going to have to read the quote to you. It's really long, but I think every word needs to be heard by you before we talk about it. Uh, and so I'm going to do that now. Uh, reading is not ideal and platforms like this, but I'm going to have to do it because I screwed up the audio file. So here is Coach Yo last night after their win over Florida. Quote, If you've been paying attention to the landscape of women's sports, there's no doubt that women's sports is on the uptick. From viewership, from the level of talent, from the investment, from the NIL space, to programs, to administrations, to investing. Our time is now. And no matter what the narratives people try to go out there and create, women's basketball is a legitimate entity in the sports world. One of the things we are fighting for right now is to get units for our play. If my team had received the units our men's team would have received for the run that we made last year, we would have brought in thousands of dollars. So what I'm trying to get the Oxford community to do is to catch up. Because the rest of the world has caught up on the fact that women's sports are legit and it's real. And so I'm not going to allow people to make it seem like what we do doesn't matter. I'm not going to allow people to make it seem like I haven't earned everything that I've gotten. I'm not going to make it seem like our women are less than. Because that is a false narrative out there. And the Oxford community needs to catch up to that. And that's the truth. We should have Club Red up in here. It should have been packed in here. How does a team that goes to the Sweet 16 that only has two SEC losses not have an average of 5,000 people in the stands? How? You know what it is? It's the lack of value. And it needs to change. And I don't care who's upset about me saying this because I'm going to speak the truth. Women's sports are a legitimate entity and maybe because Oxford right now doesn't think so The rest of the world has caught on. So the Oxford community needs to catch on. The Ole Miss campus needs to catch on. There are games that are sold out. The ticket for LSU South Carolina was $3,000. There is a volleyball pro sports sold out. We need to catch up, and it's disappointing. It's disappointing when my team runs out here and have won a whole lot, and we don't get the crowd support that we deserve. And some people will say, quote, oh, she's just complaining. She needs to shut up. Well, I'm not shutting up. I'm not shutting up. You know why? Because when I turn on the TV, when I look around, when we go to other places, women's sports is a real thing. And so I'm going to be the voice for that here because our community needs to be better, man. End quote. So that, uh, again, very long quote. Forgive me for reading. Uh, There's a few things uh, to take away from this. Because I saw, and, and most things like this are, are completely divided uh, to the, yes, queen, go off, queen, and the, oh, she's terrible, shut up. I think, as always, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. But frankly, this is going about this the entire wrong way. On one hand, I completely understand why she wants her team to be supported. I get that. 
they deserve to be supported. In a perfect world, every athletics team on every college campus in America would get crowds that they deserve. I mean, she took over a program that was dead in the water and made it a contender. She's done an excellent job at Ole Miss. Uh, Her teams are good, and good teams deserve support, absolutely. And so I understand why she's even frustrated at at not getting bigger crowds. Like, I I totally understand that. I get it. Women's sports absolutely have value. She's right in that women's basketball, especially, is getting watched by more people Every year, the the audience is growing uh, for women's basketball. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And yes, it has value. That's why when we talk about, on our radio show all the time, about money in college sports and how although the courts are telling everybody that the athletes are going to be employees one day, the problem with when that happens is sports are going to get cut. The ones that don't make any money are going to get cut. So you're going to lose golf and tennis and volleyball and baseball and stuff like that because there's not enough money to pay all of the athletes and there's real value in the sports that don't make money women's basketball loses millions of dollars even at the schools that support it like South Carolina South Carolina loses millions of dollars on women's basketball but there is value and in, in, in that sport there it, it's it, young women need those opportunities just like young men do there's value there, of course. So I understand and sympathize with that side of this. I do. Totally get it. Her team deserves support. I get it. But um, what I think is is bothersome, what I think is wrong and tone deaf, to be honest, is painting Ole Miss and the Oxford community as backwards. That's the issue, because what goes on at Ole Miss in terms of interest in basketball is the exact thing that happens at 99% of college athletic departments in the country. The, The way this is framed, the Oxford community needs to catch up. The Oxford community doesn't think so. The Oxford community needs to catch up over and over and over again. The rest of the world understands that, except for the Oxford community, is what she said last night. Ole Miss in Oxford supports men's basketball more than women. That is the exact trend that 99% of college athletic departments see nationwide. Men's basketball is watched by more people than women's basketball by a rather significant margin. Men's basketball is attended more than women's basketball by a rather significant margin. And so pretending and talking down to the Ole Miss and Oxford community as if they are backwards because all they do is exist in the same national trend as almost everybody else is wrong. There are outliers. Caitlin Clark is an outlier. Iowa basketball is an outlier. That is not the norm. That is not normal. The crowds at South Carolina and LSU are not normal. That is atypical. That is not what usually happens. 5,000 people on average is what she's asking for is a top 15 women's basketball crowd in the country. In the country. And this is a small town, a small college town, in a very rural part of the state of Mississippi, which is not highly populated. The men's team doesn't fill up the arena on a weeknight. Yeah, the students went at a much higher volume. And, and, you know, the students are right there on campus. I, I understand that. But the men's team doesn't fill up on a weeknight. Expecting... That small town and that community to fill up an arena or even put 5,000 people in an arena for a women's basketball game on a weeknight is unfair and unrealistic to paint it as anything other than normal. And maybe it shouldn't be that way. Maybe you're one of those people that that thinks that every team should get full arenas and full stadiums and and all that. And, And that would be... That would be great in a perfect world. That is completely and totally unrealistic. South Carolina is an outlier. And Dawn Staley wins championships. 
LSU's an outlier, and Kim Mulkey has won championships. Even Mississippi State supports women's basketball more than Ole Miss, but they had years, years of nationally competitive teams, and they haven't formed a fan base that learned to love and support women's basketball. It took them a long time to get there. So what, I, what I'm saying is Ole Miss is not backwards for not supporting women's basketball as much as men. Can they support it more? Sure. More people can go. Absolutely they can. But they just broke a pavilion record, for an Ole Miss record for a women's basketball game a few games ago. There was another game earlier this season where they had a really, really nice crowd. Maybe it should be more. It probably should. But it takes years and years to build and develop a, a fan base for women's basketball in a small town in rural Mississippi. Baton Rouge has a million people. Columbia, South Carolina's metro area has 900,000 people. Oxford has 30,000 people. It's not fair to Ole Miss to talk down to them in such a way as if they are backwards while using outliers like LSU South Carolina to pretend like that's the norm. It's not the norm. Caitlin Clark is not the norm. And yeah, that run to the Sweet 16 was really good. It was really good. It was the... The stamp on a program turnaround that is hard to fathom when you consider what she took over. But again, those programs have won championships. They've won championships. And on a national level, generally speaking, men's basketball gets more fans, is more attended, is more watched, and frankly is more interesting than women's basketball. It's just how it is. That's how it is everywhere else, but a very, very, very small percentage of places. And those places didn't support women's basketball until championships were won, generally speaking. So there are some people that are saying that it doesn't matter and they wish the program would be cut. And I understand, but there is a a level of investment in women's basketball from Ole Miss that I couldn't believe when I saw the numbers, the recruiting budget, the coaching salaries, all of it. Ole Miss is heavily invested in women's basketball, heavily invested um, to the point where you wonder if it's fiscally irresponsible. And and there are some people that think that, you know, it it shouldn't matter how much money that they lose. Just, Just give them whatever and, it's it's a it's a frustrating debate to have because both sides are right from a business perspective losing 8 million dollars a year on a sport that doesn't generate every any revenue is i imagine that's really tough for Keith Carter to look at every day when they're trying to win a championship in football which is the sport that pays the bills for everybody else but you have an athletic department that was formed and the sports were formed initially not to make money. Like there, there's emotional value in their existence, right? It's, it, it's tough because like I said at the beginning of this, the women's basketball team at Ole Miss has value. Absolutely. They have value. What they do is important. The, the, the existence of the program is important. They inspire young women across the state to play basketball and, and to want to go to college and, and all those things. There is great value there. But I think that going about it this way is not going to curry any favor. Nor should it. Because all Ole Miss fans do is what 99% of fan bases across the country do. They support the men's teams more than the women. Young, 19-year-old College fraternity boys like men's basketball more than women's basketball. That's why they went to the game against Arkansas, and that's why they didn't go to the other game the next day. It's more interesting to them. Maybe they should support both. It would be great if they did. But Ole Miss students not going to the women's game 
are not atypical. That is normal. I don't know. It's it just, I see that as if Ole Miss fans are backwards, and, and you're not. All that happens at Ole Miss is what happens everywhere else. And, and to approach it this way is, and using outliers, very rare outliers as an example for why you guys are backwards is wrong, especially uh, not too long after a good crowd was blamed on a loss because the team wasn't used to playing in front of good crowds. It's just, um, and, and for somebody that's been been nailing the messaging for a long time, I mean, a long time, been, been absolutely nailing the messaging. I mean, positive energy, engaging the community, trying to get the students involved. This year, the messaging, uh, the, these couple of press conferences, I think, are uh, missing the mark on how you cultivate and build a fan base. It takes a long time at a place that has never, I say never, not never, but it's been quite some time since they have had successful women's basketball. And it takes a long time to to cultivate and build a fan base that will support it, especially when you consider the, the geographical uh, issues that come with Oxford and Ole Miss. It's a great place, it's a great town, it's a great fan base, but it's a small town in a rural part of the state. It's hard to support midweek basketball. Again, the men who were ranked don't fill up. I mean, Ole Miss had a Saturday game ranked, in the in a Saturday SEC game ranked, and they didn't fill up the arena. I- expecting that for two programs, expecting a top 15 audience on a weeknight, it's irrational, is what it is, at least right now. So, let's. Uh, that's enough of that. Let's turn the page now to the uh, live chat. This was Thursday night. The Thursday night live chat talking about the new offensive line additions. And does that make Ole Miss a real national championship contender? So here that is now. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I will talk to you after the basketball game on Saturday night. And then we'll do a live chat on Sunday as well. Hope to see you there. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. And I'll talk to you again soon. That is the question. And that's going to be the, the off-season topic for sure. Is Ole Miss a national championship contender? They're getting a, a lot of hype in media circles and the way too early rankings and stuff like that. I even saw somebody say something like with Harbaugh, and Nick Saban gone, who is now the attention getter in college football? And most of the replies were uh, that of uh, of Lane Kiffin. Now he's an attention getter for more than just what his football team does, but still, uh, a, a lot of people will be talking about Ole Miss. But is that concept of them being a championship contender rooted in actual reality? Is that a real thing? And so uh, a lot of people point back to that Georgia game as that was the difference between championship contending and really, really good was the Georgia game. Now, there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, Let's be honest. There's a lot of truth to that. You saw the difference between championship caliber and very, very good. Now, in fairness to Ole Miss, Georgia was as healthy as they had been. It was also on the road. Ole Miss was without both tackles. Quarterback was banged up. So, you know, that that wasn't like best effort and healthiest on best effort and healthiest, but still there was a considerable gap between the two. And so now that that you've seen what a championship-level roster is, and we've all seen Kiffin's quotes after that game where they Georgia looks better in their uniforms uh, than, than his team did, and, and he talked about changing the way his team looks you know, getting off the bus, if you will, that old cliche, but it's true. Um, have they closed that gap? It was mostly on the lines of scrimmage, but the skill positions uh, were also that of uh, a significantly better team in Georgia than, than that of Ole Miss. So has that gap closed? If they were to have just run it back and had an average portal haul, what they had returning is a playoff contending team. That They won 10 games this year. They would have made the playoff if it would have been 12 this year. So, yes, without the portal additions that they have, you would have still been talking about them being a playoff contender. But right, wrong, or indifferent, 
regardless of how you feel about that mentality, Lane Kiffin and the coaches there and the players and the team and, and the people around the program believe that they can and are capable of competing for a national championship. Is that real? Does this roster, as we talk on January 25th, uh, does it look like one that can actually win one? Not just make the playoff, because 12 teams will do it, but make the playoff and win the entire thing. My answer still right now is no, but they are very, very close. They, they've got the quarterback. I think you can win a championship with Jackson Dart. Absolutely. J.J. McCarthy just won one, and I think Dart is better than him. And people call me crazy. If you had me choose which one I would rather have, I think it would be him. Uh, so, so I think you're good at quarterback there. You, you can win championships at quarterback. You can at wide receiver. Without Juice Wells, maybe it's a different conversation. But when you have three guys, and, and the two things need to be understood in this conversation. You're assuming health and also that the portal acquisitions acclimate well enough to where it's not an internal issue that is uh, created. So between Harris and Watkins and the addition of Wells, I think you have a trio of receivers, should they stay healthy, that can be national championship caliber. I think with Caden Prescorn and now the Virginia Tech addition at tight end, you've got what you need to be at tight end to win a championship. With these additions on the offensive line, uh, then I think that you are good enough there. Maybe you're not the best in college football, but you have the, the incoming talent and the experience that is significantly improved over what you put on the field, especially against Georgia a year ago. They now have the pieces that are good enough to get them there for sure because, hell, two of them were on a team that got there uh, already and with Pounds and Pettis returning and Williams returning and Scott and the other guys that are returning for, for depth purposes anyway, assuming health, you've got something there. On the other side of the ball, we talked about it all season. They were good, not great on the defensive line. They were productive, not dominant. They were talented, not elite. They have been able to keep what they've wanted from that group and add on top of that. Now, I don't think the position group is complete just yet. I think that when you kind of break it down, there's still some some thinness there on the defensive line when it comes to high-level, like possibly dominant type of players. Now, if B.J. Green commits to Ole Miss, maybe we're having a different conversation. As of now, that hasn't happened yet. We'll see what they do in the spring window. I still think defensive line needs to be a position in which they add because right now they have Uman Miel and they have Nolan, they have Pegues, they have Ivy. That is a starting four that is good enough to be a dominating defensive line. Behind them, though, do they have enough? You've got to take some leaps if if that is going to be the case, and they have to add one more to get there. They've done really well at linebacker, adding Chris Paul. They've done well. Uh, what They added Dudley last year, who was only able to play in the bowl game. That was a good audition for the young linebacker. Centarian Perkins returns. Kari Coleman returns. Depth also might be a question mark there at linebacker. I think they should probably seek the possibility of adding one more. But what they've done in the portal, based on experience and what you've seen, that they're good enough there. Um, the, the starters in the secondary will be good enough. I think adding a depth piece or two is necessary if they're going to be there. Running back, they need to add one more. Uh, quite frankly, I, I think that even though it's the least important position really on the field anymore, uh, they, they still need to add one more to feel really, really good about that position. So that, that was just kind of going through them all, uh, like a, a big kind of overview, not not really all that in-depth because you guys know most of this already. Long story short, I think that the starting 22 that they have assembled is good enough to be a national championship team. Where Ole Miss is still, in my opinion, short is – on the 85 scholarship players, guys from 45 to 85. I think that is still where there's a gap between them and that of Georgia and Ohio State, uh, Texas, et cetera. But the, the starters, because of 
how well they've done via transfer portal, addressing every major need. Now, they need to continue, but they've addressed every major need with high-level experience transfers. They didn't just get bodies. That, that's the incredible part of the portal hall. They didn't just get two bodies on the defensive line. They got a soon-to-be possible top 10 pick in next year's draft on the defensive line and one of the best edge rushers in the league. That's what they've added on the defensive line. They didn't just add a linebacker. They got a high-level SEC linebacker. They didn't just add a defensive back. They added a guy that was going to be starting at Alabama this year. They didn't just add a wide receiver. They added Juice Wells, who, as you've seen, is wildly explosive and versatile in the SEC already. They've added – they didn't just add guys on the offensive line. They added two guys that were on the national championship team, national championship runner-up team at Washington, who won the best offensive line award this past season. So the the frontline starters, yes, are absolutely capable of contending for a national championship. Where I'm still concerned about calling them that is the depth. I'm not quite sure if they have the proven depth yet. If and when, because it's football, the injury bug starts to bite. But I think they've got quarterback. I think they've got the weapons. I think they've now addressed the lines of scrimmage. Should they stay healthy and you knock on wood? I think that answer as of this moment is yes. If they stay healthy, got to continue to add, got to get uh, more depth, but the, the roster is there. So we'll get to some of your messages uh, for, for a little while here. I, I know I'm late, so this is going to be a little bit uh, of a shorter one. That is completely my fault. And um, please, uh, please forgive me for that. So here we go. Ole Miss might have the biggest offensive line in the SEC next year, or at least close. They've done an exceptional job in the portal, adding there, not bad, adding two Joe Moore award-winning linemen, too. Yeah, I said this on the podcast. And by the way, for you podcast listeners, uh, um, last night's episode was a joke. Please forgive me. Uh, I was, no excuses, play like a champion. I I was exhausted. Um, I I went back and listened to it this morning, and I'm embarrassed that I made you listen to that. Uh, So please forgive me for that. That sucked. It really did. Uh, But for those of you that did listen to that uh, last night, you know my feelings on that already. Um, Improving the offensive line was a necessity. They had to do it. Uh, But I did not expect them to get the haul that they were able to get on the offensive line. I mean, who would have thought that two guards like this would have been available, right? You know, not many people. Uh, But thanks to Nick Saban retiring, they were able to to get the, the two starting guards on Washington's offensive line of the year. Uh, that is a dramatic upgrade. They needed to regardless, but I did not expect them to be able to go from what they had last season to what they have now in terms of talent and experience and size on the offensive line. Kiffin said it. I mean, he he straight up said it. The, the team, Ole Miss looked small compared to Georgia. They looked small on the defensive line. They looked small on the offensive line, and they looked not athletic enough in, in spots in the secondary as well. They've addressed all of those uh, quite well, quite well. No flyers either. That's the thing. These are not, they're not taking flyers on guys. These all are people that have been in college football programs for a long time. It's, it's unique. O line looking good next year. Jackson Dart, I assume, is very, very happy with uh, what has gone on there. There seems to be a huge amount of buying in from the team. Look at how many guys are coming back. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, that's it's kind of the perfect storm. That that's that's how things like this have to happen sometimes. Is you've got a core of guys returning for varying uh, reasons. Like I really think that you are really good at quarterback, but him leaving for the NFL, it just he's not there yet. You know, Trey Harris could stand another year in college. Caden Priestcorn could stand another year in college. So you, you had this perfect storm of veterans already on your team that are productive and, and helpful that are coming back, paired with going out and getting elite-level talent like Nolan and et cetera. Uh, if they mesh, if they acclimate and, and come together as a team, I know it's cliche, but it matters, um, you, you've got a roster that Ole Miss has not had since my father was born when it comes to the ability to compete at a level like uh, like this. 
You're not moving the uh, 10 and 2 prediction to anything more just yet. Baton Rouge is a nightmare, but the offensive line is like the final big piece of the puzzle for the team. I'm not moving off mine yet either. Uh, I would like to see how they finish. Uh, you know, what else do they do at running back, uh, for example? Um, and also, I know it sounds goofy because you don't really learn much in the spring, but I am going to be uh, curious to see what things look like and, and how they quote unquote feel uh, in, in the spring. And of course, the spring portal window as uh, as well. So I'm not going off of that just yet. Uh, and the schedule is tough. It's an SEC schedule and, and winning 10 games. But the thing is, winning 10 games still gets them in the playoff. And once you're there, things happen. You know, that's the beauty of a playoff. So I'm not moving off that yet, but uh, I feel like there's a better chance that I am proven wrong than right, if that makes sense. Other than the 2022 games against LSU, Arkansas, and State, the program has shown it has consistently been able to gel with portal guys. And, you know, I know that a lot of 22 is, is being blamed on lack of team chemistry, but there was something else going on, too. Uh, even in 2021, they had some huge portal players on defense. A ton. I mean, without the portal, that defense would have been a joke for the entire season instead of just the first half. Wanted to touch on basketball for a second. You don't think both Ole Miss and State are making the tournament? I don't think either win on Saturday. I am uh, concerned about Mississippi State as of this moment. Now, their um, their metrics are really, really good, and that will save them. But I'm concerned about State. I just I don't think that they're going to have at, at this point. They only have two guys that can score, and one of them defenses can focus on stopping, and the other one's a true freshman. So they've got to find scoring, and they've got to find it quick because they might fall into a hole that they're not going to be able to climb out of like they did uh, a year ago. So I'm I'm worried about them. And for Ole Miss, I mean, can, can you win a road game? Can, can you perform well on the road? You're going to have to at some point. If you're going to make the tournament, yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm I'm not convinced that uh, that both will make it. If Ole Miss does do the unthinkable and wins the Natty, will I fix my curtain rod? No, no. I mean, I look. Super chats are uh, of course welcome, uh, very unnecessary, but they're they're very welcome. Um, I got super chats. Because the curtain rod looks like that. And you're thinking that I am going to fix that when that literally led to me receiving money. You're nuts. You're absolutely nuts. No shot. I will, I'm never going to fix the curtain rod. It fell like two years ago, and the, the old hooks on that door uh, are there, and they're holding that curtain, and they're going to hold it just like that until the end of time. Is Victor Kern returning? He is not. Uh, he is not. He will actually be on the radio show with us next week talking about uh, his draft preparation. So, um, I, I and, and we're going to ask him, you, you know, how instrumental were you in the recruitment of your former teammates? I'm curious to hear what that answer is. Uh, but, uh, no, he is, uh, he is not coming back. He is off to the NFL. Wouldn't be surprised if he's on a roster next year. Um, he's versatile and, and NFL teams because they only keep eight linemen on the roster, right? You don't have like in college where you have five starters and then a replacement for each position and then another replacement for each position. You don't have 15 offensive linemen on your roster in the NFL. You have eight. And so those other three guys better be able to do some stuff. And, and what will help Victor Kern is that he has shown that he can do it all on the offensive line. He can play here, here, and here. And so while he's not, uh, you know, the, the, the high-level prospect, uh, he is still somebody that has shown versatility, and NFL teams need versatility w with their offensive line depth. So there's a real chance that, uh, that Victor Kern is, is on an NFL roster next year because of that. So um, him going to Ole Miss ended up being a good decision for him. He got to play and display that versatility. It, uh, it worked out. Loser of the game on Tuesday between the two and the pavilion is in a really bad spot. I might go as far as, as to say the loser is not making the turn. Like, the, the loser is out. Um, Ole Miss can only win at home, and State feels like it's a few losses away from complete baseball mode. Yeah. Today, Kentucky fired their offensive line coach two months after giving him an extension to hire back Eric Wolford. It's cutthroat business, isn't it? 
And Quinshawn, with this offensive line, if he didn't have the issues, et cetera, you thought he was mad. They didn't have good linemen. That that, that was certainly uh, one of the many issues. But, um, you know, I, I guess there's no reason to rehash this uh, because at this point, you know, he's off to Ohio State and good on him. But um, d- despite people just refusing to believe this, um, the that enough people who would know have said that him returning to Ole Miss probably wasn't a possibility at that point. Wouldn't have been welcomed back is what some people have said. And these are connected people, you know, real reporters, stuff like that. So, Believe him or not, if you you know, it's up to you. I, our radio audience doesn't believe that at all. They think it's just sour grapes, and he got so much more money to go to Ohio State, and that's fine because that's not true. But that's fine. Heard from a guy who was right most of the time that there will be a BJ Green commitment before the end of the weekend. You know, one day I want to be a guy that is right most of the time, but I'm I'm years into into the the radio thing now, and, and it ain't happened yet. So um, that would be big. I mean, they need that. Uh, it, not necessarily. I mean, I, I don't think he'd be a starter necessarily, but they, they want to rotate a lot of guys on the defensive line, and and he would be one that that you feel like could could play a lot of snaps and be highly highly productive, even if he's not. Uh, Uman Mielin, he still can help you a lot. Uh, so, so getting him would be big. Getting guys like that is why Georgia has been able to be what they are. You, you know, that's the difference there. Guys like that is why Michigan was able to win the national championship uh, this year. It's not just the the first starters that makes these teams what they are. It's that they can rotate guys or sustain an injury or two and, and still not miss a beat. So guys like him are, are what they need. Guys like Kari Coleman, I don't think he's going to start for Ole Miss. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think he's going to start this year for Ole Miss. But having somebody like him with his experience in the rotation not starting is what places like Georgia has. So they're they're getting closer. I just don't think they're they're quite there yet from 1 to 85. They're not there yet from 1 to 85. But that's okay. I mean, you, you don't necessarily have to be to, to get to, to where they want to go. The JUCO players they are bringing in could be a wild card, two wide receivers who may or may not make it on campus. Collins and Beavers could make major contributions as well. I think the receivers are going to end up working out, but I could be wrong. Kiffin and staff need to make sure no egos emerge among the players and do whatever it takes to keep them healthy. Only Ole Miss can beat Ole Miss in 2024. I think Georgia can beat Ole Miss in 2024, but I understand what you're saying for sure. Luckily for them, they they have enough impact veteran players returning that that are culture-setting type guys, like your quarterback, the most important thing is is you've got somebody like him that's that's kind of like the alpha on the team that that can set that culture and not take anything less. I mean, frankly, the, the Judkins deal should tell you a lot about your quarterback and and the type of team that he is leading with how they responded to that. Um, and that's a good thing that that is a compliment to to him and and that locker room is how they handled that. Um, if you believe what's being reported about that, which you should. But again, our radio audience does not. There's also a huge question mark about Zakari Franklin. Is Franklin done? You haven't heard anything there. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, I wouldn't count. I mean, even if, because uh, I've been asked about that before, and I honestly don't know the answer, but. I wouldn't count on him being a significant contributor one way or another. I mean, if he was on the team, it's that that's not going to be the difference. So I, again, I don't know. I, I don't know where that's coming from because I haven't heard anybody talk about it outside of the chat right here, but um, he, he wouldn't have a major impact on this team if he was on the team anyway. So will keep beating the drum that barring some unexpected upset beforehand, Ole Miss traveling to Baton Rouge will be the most important game of the season next year, and it's not close. 
uh, they could, um, I mean, they could go, they'll go into that possibly top five. What's LSU schedule ahead of that game? Let's see. Let's see. LSU, Southern Cal, Nichols, South Carolina, in Columbia, UCLA, South Alabama, off week, Ole Miss. So they get a break with the bye before Ole Miss, where Ole Miss is in Columbia playing South Carolina. Those are two interesting road games back-to-back for Ole Miss at South Carolina, at LSU. But... um, very possible they could have a couple of losses uh, going into that one. It won't infect or impact the environment, though. Uh, it will be absolutely nuts. But if LSU is 5-0 and undefeated with wins over Southern Cal, South Carolina, and UCLA, you're talking about a top-10 LSU team against a top-5 uh, Ole Miss team in Baton Rouge. Craig, you know I love you, but... Australian Open is heat this year. What Novak is doing at 36 is insane. You think I've watched one hit of the Australian Open? I haven't I haven't watched one hit, and I won't either. I refuse. You know I love you, but no way. And yes, but I will watch this. The Masters will be here before you know it. Any update on the eligibility of Deion Smith? Heard he was still having some academic issues. Yeah, there are some classes that he has to uh, pass if he is going to play for Ole Miss this year. Uh, If you cannot pass classes to be an eligible football player at this point, then there is no helping you. So understanding that that is the general principle, then he should be on Ole Miss's team this year. But being in this position is quite concerning. It sounds like it's going to work out, but don't hold me to that because, again, if the, if this is still an issue at this point, uh, it, there's certainly nothing guaranteed. But I wasn't competitive with Georgia. I, you weren't competitive with Georgia. You've got miles to go. Uh, I uh, certainly cannot be competitive with Georgia because I'm 31 and I've got a bad ankle and I throw out my back sometimes. So yeah, there's, I have miles to go uh, before I could be with uh, competitive with Georgia. I also need like 84 other teammates. I'm not on the team, dude. I'm not on the team. Vanderbilt was competitive. See, th- this, this is how sometimes though, that the logic when it comes to talking about football gets lost. It, it, there's everybody just talks about things, like as if they're linear. Like Ole Miss wasn't competitive with Georgia, so therefore Ole Miss has a long way to go. But Vanderbilt was more competitive with Georgia than Ole Miss was. So is Vanderbilt closer than Ole Miss is to Georgia? Well, of course not. So too many people look at things linear. Like we are unable to talk about things with context and nuance. But no, that, that one game had that score of that, so therefore they're far away. So you're saying that Vanderbilt's closer than Ole Miss is. Well, then why did Ole Miss beat Vanderbilt by more than Georgia did? Explain that to me. But again, I'm not on the team. I don't play. I think the O-line now has three potentially starting offensive linemen over 6'6", 330. They do. They do. Um, Yeah. Changed a lot. It's going to be a night game on ABC slash ESPN. They're going to have to brave Death Valley in a 2014-style game. You'd expect college game day for sure. Well, I mean, unless LSU really kind of falls off a cliff and loses a couple of games ahead of time, I suppose. But, yeah, it'll be one of those. It'll be one of those games where um, Dart will not be able to verbally communicate before any snap. I mean, unless, you know, they they find a way to – you know, blow them out, and you know what I mean. I'm overthinking it. There will not be a meaningful offensive snap that Jackson Dart will take in that game that he will be able to verbally communicate with his teammates. It'll be one of those games. You're exactly right. It'll be one of those violent noise uh, type environments. And uh, but the thing is, they've they've been battle tested there. I mean, he's already played in Baton Rouge. He's played in Baton Rouge. He's 
played in Tuscaloosa. He's played in Athens. He's played in College Station. It's very hard for him and and most of those guys on that team to be rattled by environment or, or not not be aware of what it takes to win in an environment like that. You know, they've played in these places before. So so that is, if you're looking for a positive spin, if you're looking for spin zone, there it is. It's, you know, veteran guys have played in these venues. So they know what to expect, and they shouldn't be shocked by them. But, yeah, it'll be one of those nights for uh, for sure. For a long-time Ole Miss fans, it – uh, is going to have to be some trend breakers to make the playoff with trips to LSU, Arkansas, and Florida. doesn't matter how bad the Hogs are. Ole Miss always has a meltdown there. Yeah, but have they ever been really this bad? They, they are. They are going. They'll be at the very bottom of the SEC alongside Vanderbilt, I think. They, they, I mean, there is nothing to like about what they will be in 2024. Nothing at all. Nothing to like. Like, you can talk yourself into basically everybody else in the league in one way or another. There's nothing to like about Arkansas right now. And things change, but. Is Jeremy James returning? He is. He uh, he is, which is uh, important. Depth, experience, all that. The depth issue showed versus Georgia last year. Georgia could have multiple players hurt at a position to be final. Miss had two tackles hurt, and it was devastating. And that was the healthiest. Like I said at the very beginning of this, that was the healthiest they were all season. That was the healthiest they were all season, uh, as opposed to Ole Miss, where that was the least healthy they were uh, possibly at any point. So just a perfect storm of of suck there uh, that night. I am very – I mean – you know, we can have these conversations all offseason, and we will, mind you. We're going to talk about this uh, all, all offseason, uh, because what else are we going to talk about? But that is going to be – I am far more intrigued uh, about that game than I am the game that Edward's talking about with uh, with Baton Rouge, although that's going to be electric and, and absolutely insane. But I am curious to, to see physically how they line up with um with Georgia when Georgia makes that return trip to Oxford. I'm far more curious to see what that is like. The NBA trade deadline is coming up. Doesn't look like the Pelicans are going to make big moves, and, and frankly, I don't think they should yet. I don't know if now is the time where you shoot that shot. At still kind of working some things out and figuring some things out rotationally and, and kind of blowing up the chemistry would, I think, be a bad decision. Does Sam Pittman even make it to the Ole Miss game? November 2nd is the Ole Miss game. Before the Ole Miss game, they play Oklahoma State in Stillwater, Auburn at Auburn, Texas A&M at a neutral site, Tennessee, who's a preseason top 20 team, and LSU, both of those in Fayetteville, and at Mississippi State. They could conceivably lose all one, two, three, four, five, six of those games. They could have six losses before the Ole Miss game. If they have four losses before the Ole Miss game, he's still coaching. But uh, at that point, it's just a, a lame duck of a program. So you do think Arkansas has basically given up on football for now and is just saying F it with Petrino? Apparently, the line of thinking was they wanted to get the NIL in order first. But I imagine it's really hard to raise money when the team is bad. You need to be motivated to rate to, to give money, right? There's got to be a reason to. Just losing and not changing anything is not motivating. Losing and firing a coach and bringing in a new one will motivate you because the new coach can rah-rah the fan base. Somebody else trying to poach your coach can motivate you into giving money. Look at Ole Miss 2022. Your rival winning a championship can motivate you to invest heavily in NIL. Look at Ohio State. Arkansas doesn't have a motivator right now. Just losing and keeping everything the same is not a motivator, and an offensive coordinator doesn't do enough either. At least I don't think so. Maybe they are raising a ton of money, but certainly doesn't look like it. Amazing how atrocious their football program has been since 2011. Yeah, with, I mean, a, a, the infrastructure there is really good. I mean, it's a cool town. Fayetteville's great. Uh, and I know the state doesn't produce all that much high school talent, but 
you're in the state by yourself. And they have been an absolute dumpster fire. Dumpster fire. What can almost do about these teams taking away the three-point shot? Well, they, they've got to do a couple of things. They've got to protect the ball better. They get sloppy on the road and just ha- have careless passes. But they've got to create for their shooters. They've, uh, when we talked about it after the, the Auburn game, you're not going to win anything if, if Jalen Murray and Matt Morell are only taking six shots. You're not going to win anything. You're never going to win anything if that's uh, the, the few shots that they are taking. They need to create offense. They need to create those shots for those two guys. Um, the, the the careless passing and the isolation stuff they've fallen into on the road is is not good enough. So uh, you don't force it, quote unquote, but they need to do be intentional with creating for those two guys uh, on the road from the outside because it, as you've seen, if you can get them going, they can be highly efficient volume scorers. So you can't go by past performance when talking about this year's team because Ole Miss hasn't been this talented in most of our lifetimes. I don't think in any of our lifetimes, unless you've got some people in here born before 1964, Arkansas might win three games. Yeah, I mean, their non-conference is, I mean, they, they have Pine Bluff, so there. Uh, but Oklahoma State, UAB, Louisiana Tech. Where's the... Yeah, that's the four. Uh, so they could certainly lose to Oklahoma State. I wouldn't sleep on UAB. They've lost to worse teams in this stretch than Louisiana Tech. Yeah, they're staring three and four and eight, three and nine in the face here. Ohio State went from so-so to kind of scary next year with good quarterback play. It's funny though; they, they won eleven games. You know, they won eleven games, and uh, and I do think Bill O'Brien will do some nice things as the OC. I know everybody's mocking that hire, but I, I think that. Uh, Ryan Day relinquishing play calling duties to somebody else with that talent. I, I think that they'll be fine there. Um, yeah, they're scary. It's it's the most talented team in the country. I think even more talented than Georgia. I, I do. I think that. Although I think Ohio State would trade quarterbacks with Georgia if they could, or maybe they wouldn't. I think they would. But they're the most talented team in college football this year. I think they they recruit a top five roster and they have portaled extremely well uh, for, for what they've needed. And also they've got a similar phenomenon to Ole Miss. They're returning a bunch of, of veteran guys, um, especially on defense. The defense is going to be really, really good. How do I think Knicks will do at Auburn? Um, I think he'll do terrible on the games that Auburn loses. And I think that he will not be acknowledged on the games that Auburn wins. No, he'll be fine. Uh, He's never been a coordinator before. Uh, Hugh Freeze did say that he was going to call the offense now. So we'll see if that actually holds true. But, you know, it's hard to tell because if he is, in fact, given play calling duties, he's never done it before. Uh, But, you know, he'll recruit well because he recruits well. That's what he does. Likeable guy. But I have a feeling we're, we're not really going to hear much uh, about him and, and what he does over there because Hugh Freeze has already said it's it's going to be his offense now. And as you saw this year, when the offense does well, it certainly wasn't Philip Montgomery. It was him taking play calling duties back. But when the offense failed, it was all Philip Montgomery. So. Quinchon still took a pay cut to split snaps. Um, I, I mean, I could be wrong, but Travion Henderson, I don't think, is just going to split stat, put split snaps down the middle. I don't think so. He's a first-round caliber guy. I mean, he is a first-round pick. So um, I don't even know if it's going to be split. Maybe I'm wrong. I just I, I, I don't think that that's really how that's going to go. I don't think Trevion Henderson um, – I, I don't think he came back to split carries. So, anyway. 
Sorry, I was just replying to somebody. Anyway, forgive me, that was uncomfortable. But um, I got to run anyway. I, I hate to do this. Unless you guys have something else you want to talk about here, I'll give you a couple minutes to, to drop in the chat if you got one. If not, I've, uh, I've got to get going because we were late and it was my fault because I am a bad, uh, bad, bad parent trying to keep things in line. I can't do it. Can't do it. I used to be so structured, and I'm just not anymore. So anyway, all right, guys, I've uh, I've got to run. Thank you so much for for tuning in. I'll see you Sunday at uh, at eight o'clock, and um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see you then Sunday at eight. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the hoops. Enjoy the football. We'll be live probably during the end of a game, but that's okay. I'll uh, I'll see you guys then. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.